0: Man, if you are interested in selling your center, if you're interested in buying a float center, I feel like this is a great episode to start on. We have Amy Reed on, and she owns a yoga center. She purchased it from previous business owners, and man, there's so much to learn. We dive in, and it was uh, just every once in a while, it's like, oh, this could just go on for hours uh, because there was so much to talk about. So I hope you enjoy diving in as much as we did before we get started. If you are using HelmBot, I noticed this new thing that popped up on, uh, during our conversations in Logbook. It's this plus task option that is now, or I should say button that is now uh, showing up in the Logbook, which means if you're having a conversation and you're talking about, oh, we're having this issue or we need to start doing this or create this one-time task instead of jumping around throughout Helm, now you can just click a button. Somebody can create it right on the spot, and then you know that it can get taken care of. This comes up for us when people call in for massage and we need to reach out to on-call employees, LMTs. Uh, We're able to have the conversation about it in logbook, and then when required, create the task right there to to reach out or follow up the next day or whatever it is. Works out wonderfully for us. If you're not already using Helmbot, go to helmbot.com, get a tour, check out the demo if you like, make sure it's a good fit for you. It's a good fit for us. We absolutely swear by Helmbot. Check them out. And of course, I also want to give a big shout out to Isopod. We own two Isopods, and as our tanks go down, we'll replace them with more Isopods. They're a beautifully friendly float tank that is also built like a beast. Um, this is the, <laughs> the pairing of the two is great. It's a fairly, I don't want to say incredibly simple, like the design feels simple. The remotes feel simple, like they're um, simple enough to use, intuitive design. Obviously, you know. I, I couldn't build one of their remotes or the float tank itself. It's it's complicated, but I guess the, the ideal is that it comes across easy to you, to your employees, and even more importantly, to the guests that come in. It uh, is absolutely accessible looking, using, and built like a rock. So go to i-sopod.com. Tell them we sent you and that you're interested in the isopods. Again, that's i-sopod.com, isopod. All right, let's start the show. to another episode of Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. My name is Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon with my lovely wife, Sandra. And, you know, buying another float center wasn't even an option when we started out. So float On existed on the other side of Portland, and something told me at the time they weren't ready to sell just yet. So uh, we knew that we were going to start our own float center.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Kim from Tsukino Float Center in Salt Cave in Indiana. And uh, Graham and I talked a little bit. About like how to open a center, but there were we're the only one in this particular area. There's some across the bridge in Louisville, Kentucky that are already awesome, and um, there was one that we didn't think was necessarily. So we talked about it, but we really wanted to do our own thing from the beginning.
2: This is Drew from New Hampshire Float in New Hampshire, and you no, know, my area, I was the first weirdo to think of opening <laughs> a float shop. So there was nothing available to purchase. And even if there was, I think I would have been there just that wasn't even a thing I would consider because I don't know anything about that, and the thought of that would have scared the heck out of me, although now it certainly does
0: not interesting wow these are these are very interesting topics brought up already, and I'm so glad we have Amy Reed on the show tonight. Welcome to the show, Amy. thank
3: you so much. I really appreciate uh, being here.
0: well, we really appreciate you and what we're about to talk about, which um, I want to just get it out right out of the gate. You do not own a float center, but you have purchased a center. Is that right? A, a wellness center.
3: Yes. I recently purchased the yoga house in Kingston, New York. We are a yoga studio. Um, I appreciate the crossover between the float industry and the yoga industry in terms nice. of mindfulness and mm-hmm. um, the ability to you know, consider what senses are being heightened and or not and how oh. that can really affect one's experience.
0: Indeed, it can, right? Oh. Um, so something I just, again, kind of right out of the gate that we all either brought up or were thinking was taking over somebody else's was a little intimidating or we want it to be our own thing, I think Kim mentioned. That's definitely something I'm sure Sandra and I would have felt as well was this needs mm-hmm. to be, this needs to feel like us and be ours. Did you have any of those thoughts when you were make, deciding and did you, did you know you were going to make a purchase right out of the gate or had you considered starting your own?
3: No, so um, mine is a pandemic tale, um, to be Uh told. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm a a yoga teacher, have been for a really long time, and I was a teacher at the Yoga House, the business that I now own. The pandemic just threw our industry into upheaval. I mean, uh, it's really hard to run a, a small business that relies on touch, and breath and, you know, close quarters in proximity. Um, and proximity. Uh, and the previous owners were dear friends and, you know, they have kids and we're trying to figure out how to negotiate schooling and, you know, family obligations. And they just, I think the idea of having to pivot into a multi-dimensional experience, you know, are we Zooming classes now? Are classes mm. going to be pre-recorded? I think all of that, plus negotiating the safety with the you know, CDC and DOH regulations, just became daunting and exhausting and, frankly, very expensive. And so they just were looking to pivot out and um, bring in someone else who was part of the community to take over the business.
0: Well, so, how long, how long had they been in business for?
3: Over a decade.
0: Okay, yeah. So they, yeah. they had a thing that they were good at doing, and, and it, it yeah. had its own momentum. So then to pivot, like you said... With with Zoom and everything, yeah, for sure. CDC. Super
3: channel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I know. I think a lot of uh, wellness businesses have had to deal with that, right? Like, how? What are the protocols? How do we adapt in this really, you know, strange new world of? Oh yeah, um, that's COVID? been
0: <laughs> that's been hot in our industry for sure. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, for sure. Um, so they approached me. They approached my current business partner, also a teacher who had been at the studio, and we just uh-huh. were like, let's. Let's float for, uh, you know, pun intended, this opportunity <laughs> and, um, and see what comes of it. And, uh, and, and it's been a, an amazing, an amazing going on 11 months now since wow. we, we've taken over the business. Yeah.
0: All right. So you weren't shopping for a business at the time.
3: No, you know, I always had it in the back of my head. And it sounds like you folks did too, this like idea of what this passion you have and, and you know, that you could do it. You could open this, mm-hmm. you know, float center. You could open a a yoga studio, right? But it just never felt like the right time. And I was very loyal to the previous owners. And I wouldn't, you know, have like a competing situation. And I just, um, you know, uh, the opportunity just presented itself. And I said, why not? Let's take a leap now that likely makes us crazy. Like who buys a, a, a business like this in a pandemic? Well, we do. And Yeah, we, welcome um, to the
0: club, the entrepreneurial yeah. club of insane people. Yeah, this, you're talking to the right people. Yeah. We're not that different, you and I. I
2: love it. I love it. But that's when, that's when opportunity presents itself. And ah, yeah. I'm hoping, and I don't know how much detail you want to share about this, but hopefully you got a good deal because obviously the pandemic uh, presented issues that a lot of yoga studios, even around in my area here in New Hampshire, closed down. So what's the alternative? Yeah. Like, you're kind of in a, a good spot to negotiate. Mm-hmm. So how does that work when you were already a teacher there? You know mm-hmm. they don't, like business people would tell you you're in the driver's seat for something like that. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. But we're in that, um, I would say we're yoga studios, I think, included are in like a kind of an altruistic type of industry so how do you how did that work did you did you give them more than you like do you think you could have got less but because you knew them you you worked out a good deal to not take
0: them over the coals like how, how does that how did that work whatever you want to share about that and they'll never hear this i'm sure so you, you just full truth full honesty. <laughs> this is a private um, podcast
3: i love it um <laughs> you know it's 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 a really good question Right, like one would think, we got this stellar business deal on a on a yoga biz because wow, it's a pandemic, and who the hell's going to buy that? Um, and I think that the owners, because they knew us, were very aware of the situation, and also were very aware that the business had legs. This was a business mm-hmm. that could that had done really well for over a decade, could mm-hmm. sustain, could ride out the pandemic. They just needed folks who were going to come in and have energy and have resources to be able to kind of ride out the storm, both energetically and financially. Um, But it's tough. Like, there's a lot to think about when you're buying a small business, and I'm sure this exists in in your industry as well. You have folks who are on memberships. You have folks who have class passes or passes to Mm. floats, I would imagine. And when you're looking to purchase a business, you have to consider the financials. We had to think about, you know, how, many, how much of that money has already gone into the business, has been absorbed by the previous owners that we, again, pun intended, are going to have to float <laughs> for a period of time? Can we sustain that? And, we, and so we had to really think about all of the pros and cons. Like, are we getting a really good deal because of the pandemic, because they're looking to sell and they want to get out and they have a sense of urgency? But also, like, how much are we actually going to have to put out to run this business, with all of the health and safety protocols we need to. Mm-hmm. Plus, how much are we eating on just memberships? Um, also, this has happened a lot in the wellness industry from folks I've spoken to in other you know, spas and centers like, such as that. They have, have numerous people who are members and you know, had passes or memberships expire. But then folks are kind of like, well, it was a pandemic. Can you do me a favor? Can you extend yeah, that sure. pass? Can you give sure. me additional time? Mm-hmm. We had to think about that, too. Like, how long were we willing to honor those existing business commitments? And could we honor those existing business commitments? And for how long could that be sustainable? So it was kind of a, a you know a, a blessing and a curse. There were pros and cons, a yin and yang to everything. <laughs> we had to really like fi- find that financial balance and... You know, I think it was an it was a good experience. I have oodles of you know tips for folks who are, are both purchasing and selling now. In hmm. hindsight, we love oodles. If, <laughs> that's great.
0: Yeah.
3: I think if we were ever looking to sell, we would do things in not such a rush manner. Hmm. I also think that as small business owners, um, our businesses are our babies. We, you know, your your centers, I'm sure. Or you know you, your children, you put blood, sweat, and tears into these experiences, into these businesses, and I think that you have to really look at your business honestly, and you have to say not only what is my business worth to me because I love it, but what is my what is somebody willing to offer for my business, and am I realistic about what my business actually looks like on paper? And then customer facing, right?
0: You know, whole different so story. There is the on paper of how much revenue is actually coming in, how many memberships you have, but th- I think there's also this um, less less uh, what's so tangible. Um, oh, I can start a yoga center and I can get to that. Like, yeah. what is that going to take? Six months? And from my experience of running a float center, is there there was no money to be made uh, running a float center unless we put all of our attention on it. And yeah. probably then some, I, I, even then it wasn't a guarantee that we would have been profitable. We folded our, our yoga center, you know, it was just a labor of love. And so to know that there's a float center that, ha- or excuse me, I guess, yeah, a float center or a yoga center that actually has built up mentorship, membership and loyalty. Like does, what value does that have going yeah. into it?
3: Yeah, I, I you have to look at uh, what what's the UVP like? What's the unique value proposition that the business currently has, mm. and also what what margin do you have to take it to a different level? Like, what are you bringing to the table nice. as the new owner that adds a certain, you know, cash of interest, so to speak, for um, for for existing members and then prospects to come.
2: So, so I have just... a question <laughs> for that. Sorry if I may. Um, so. Do you have to come up with that, or did the mm. seller sell you on that?
3: Because I was entrenched in the business, um, I knew what their UVP was. I knew what value they had in the community. I knew I was—you know—I knew the community. Um, I don't know if you, if folks who are looking to purchase a float center, if they would have that same experience, other than being a member and being, you know knowledgeable about the experience. It,
0: it happens occasionally uh, Yeah, that that a member can take over. We, we had a guest on years ago who, who did that, but in general, probably not. Probably yeah, and
3: so I think you have to say, like, okay, what is this business offering to the community? What are they offering to their existing members? And then what piece do you have to offer? And, you know, like I said, my experience was, was I was fortunate that I knew what their value proposition was. And also, quite frankly, I knew what, what growth potential they had. Like I knew what gaps they were missing in terms of specific client bases, um, styles of experience, uh, alternate experience, not just, you know, a yoga experience, but wellness overall. I knew there was room to grow and I knew that with my business offer, we had that skill set that we could offer and bring into the business and just grow the business, um, even though it was successful previously.
2: Mm, Cool. I've twice... Uh, been seriously considering selling my business and I felt as though I was I put together that UVP for people Mm -hmm. because I just felt like people didn't understand the business Mm -hmm. or the potential for it when I was just running it by myself I could only do what I could do but for Mm -hmm. someone who could hire people we could expand hours and Mm -hmm. there was real um, actual dollars that I could show hey if you will open this amount you could almost add a, a third of the business that I'm currently doing, so I was interested in in that response for sure. So it, it sounds like you knew what was going on, obviously, because you worked there and you could see mm-hmm. if I would do this, I would do that, right? Um, so that's fascinating. And so did you? I've and again because I've thought about this before. There are many ways to value a business. And usually the buyer tries to devalue the business and the seller tries to increase that value. So did you the two of you agree on that um, same method of analyzing its its value? Or did you come in and say, this is what I see. They came in and said, this is what I see. And then you met in the middle. How did that work?
3: It was, it's yeah. pretty much the latter um, in our experience. They had kind of their floor of what they were willing to sell the business for and what they thought the business was going to be worth. Um, We had our idea uh, based on our own research of what the business was, and we met in the middle. And one of the key pieces to all of that was having a really solid lawyer and a really solid accountant. Um, I feel like we –
0: On your side or their side?
3: (laughs) On our side. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I I feel like we had folks in our corner who were way more knowledgeable than we were um, going into it in terms of, the financials, and also we, we really spent a lot of time um, talking to folks at the Department of Health to actually like find out what it looked like for other businesses. We did a lot of recon into other gyms and <laughs> wellness centers to find out how they were writing things, what they were forecasting. We tried to create this crystal ball for ourselves. Um, and the only way we were able to do it as best possible was that resourcing. We just got a lot of educated folks who we kept tapping into to, you know, to get those details. As a, as a seller of a business, if I, you know, in their shoes, I would say you want to think of it like home sale. The houses that are staged tend to sell so much better than houses that just are kind of a blank slate. So, if you are looking to sell a, a center, a wellness center, a studio, whatever, so on and so forth, in our in our in a wellness industry, you have to do some legwork to mm. show that it was worth your investment and mm. that it was your um, you know place where you felt safe, that you created community, and um, and that staging really does kind of play out in terms of the, the bottom line financial. So, mm. like you don't want to you float your you don't want to sell your float center, I would imagine, when you've had like a really terrible string of of six months on your on your books, right? Right. You want to, You want to sell your float center when you've done some magical bit of work or some renovation that just looks mm-hmm. so fantastic, so that mm-hmm. folks say, "Ah, oh, you know, there really is something. There's something special here," but I still can make my mark on it.
2: Right. So, eleven months in, how accurate were you mm-hmm. to what you? Had researched and thought it could be, how close are you with <laughs> them yeah
3: I'm getting hammered, yeah um, I love it <laughs> I'm fascinated by this
2: stuff, so great I, I'm, questions yeah yeah are you, were you close
3: so i the one I think we were pretty darn close. The one area I can say we hadn't we had no idea was the longevity of this pandemic. I mean yeah, when we right. when we bought the when we bought the business, it was this like the thought process then was like we 're just going to all get the vaccine and we 're going to be good yeah. and, and it has not at all obviously as we know been that that case um, so so we've really had to do a lot of work to continue to refine our approach that our financials stay on point um and, and we have to consider, like, okay, if we get into lean months, what are we doing, in, you know, on the months that are a little better, what are we doing to set ourselves up so that we can ride out some of those hardships? Hmm. Because the truth is, we don't know still what variant could pop up. We don't know if uh, numbers are going to spike in our county, and we're then in a position to have to go back to reduced numbers or, you know, limited attendance. Um, do we have to go back to certain protocols or safety protocols that make business a little bit more expensive in terms of filtration systems and you know masks and so on and so forth? so um, we're long story short, I think we did a tremendous job uh, getting our team together. We did a tremendous job going into it with level head even though we're really passionate and excited about the purchase. Um, but we just the, the unpredictability of this pandemic, has been the one thing that I could say. We just couldn't have predicted this 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 in the long term.
0: And are you, do, are you still required to make a monthly payment? I, I assume that's what you're doing, or did you buy it outright?
3: We, um, we negotiated uh, partial payments, so we paid out over uh, three periods. It is We have been paid out as of April. We went pretty fast. So wow. we yeah, big congrats.
0: Congrats. Thank you. Thank it's you yours. so much. Nice. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Yes, that was a that was a huge celebratory
2: day. And if uh, I may, <laughs> um, is that something that you use personal capital to do, or you were able to go get a loan from a bank and buy, because that's also something that I'm curious about. Can you mm-hmm. get a loan from a bank to buy a pre-existing business like that?
3: Yeah, um we we did it on our own. Thank God I had my cool. business partner. We we um we went in fifty-fifty. But, yeah, you absolutely can, you know, take out small business loans, especially at that point. Um, I think that banks were being pretty generous mm. for, for businesses because um, they just knew what the financial situation was. So banks. folks coming in to sweep up small business was kind of a godsend. Mm. Um, but we did it on our own, and, um, and it was, and you know, just negotiating that payment plan really helped us in being able to do that so we wouldn't have to take out a loan.
0: Um, can I switch gears a little bit? And, and yeah. Drew's uh, line of attack questions can totally come. <laughs> no, they're so good. They're so good. Um, and Amy, thanks for being so willing to just dive into every question. I'm. Uh, this is fascinating. Um, you've mentioned your business partner several times, and that was another student at the school, you had said. Um, "How How close were you beforehand, and what does that relationship look like now? And mm-hmm. it sounds like you guys are both... Full steam ahead, working together, which sounds awesome. I would say that is the minority that that is rare that all business partners are one hundred percent on board equally eleven months down or in. yeah
3: we were we were both teachers previously and we've taught in uh, the hudson valley new york area so we've we've been nice. in each other's world for many many years we've done trainings together um, hmm. I think that we both have a particular sensibility that makes us really good partners with one another. On the one side, we are these fierce loyalists to uh, the yoga um, philosophy. We we are really, we believe in what we do, and so we have this shared passion, this shared um, belief system, and so that just automatically brings us together and creates intimacy. We are also to hard-working women who are not afraid to have challenging conversations and do it with compassion in our hearts Hmm. and have a meeting of the minds. So I couldn't have picked a more appropriate partner from the perspective of growing what we believe in, this industry, right? Um, but also someone that I can do business with in a really easy, seamless way. We're, we're just get-it-done people, and, and, okay. and I think that's huge. So I would say to someone who's looking to purchase a business and looking to do so with a partner, you ha- there has to be this ability to have absolutely transparent honesty, um, very clear conversations. The lawyers helped us come to um, language, even in our, in our um, business contract that just said, look, if there are disagreements, how are you going to resolve them? Will you mediate? Um, huh. Will you? Is one partner take lead in this type of decision making, and one partner take like is one partner in charge of the financials, and the other partner in charge of marketing, and so on and so forth? So we had all of those conversations up front. We decided that um, we would make joint decisions. If at any point we needed to. Have a you know if there was a disagreement we would mediate so I mean we, we've never never had to do that thank goodness um, but there's there's a contractual obligation we have to one another to uphold this partnership with integrity and to resolve any issues that there may that that may crop up not that I, I foresee.
1: That's one of the, the really great things about having an attorney of, involved in the process that a lot of times people think, you know, oh, it's just about the contract or, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're friends. We're not going to get into, you know, if that's not going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just the fact that you've had those conversations and are able to say, okay, this is a thing. And that means that this particular person, because having that expert there to kind of guide you through that, you probably won't need it later because you had that conversation. But had you mm-hmm. not, had you gone into it with that blind faith, um, <laughs> I, and I've been in that, like, you know, I, I didn't necessarily get into a business partnership, but, um, I had a, a wonderful friend who I, like, she's my landlord now and we don't speak to each other. Mm. Um, and it really stinks and it's in the yoga community. <laughs> so I get it. Like, so even the most like heart centric, um, passionate people can still have things that just happen in life that cause you to go a different direction and to be able to have something that's very clear, that you don't have to be angry about. You can say this is what we agreed to, and that can actually help to resolve any of those relationship issues later that could come up because you already had the foresight to, you know, plan for those things. So I think you know, for those who are interested, that is such a powerful thing. It doesn't mean that you don't trust the other person. It means that I would say even more so the opposite that you do, and you want to right. prevent any of those disagreements, you know, down the road.
3: It really did create this intimacy and clarity that I think was was really necessary. So I totally agree. I think that having all of those conversations up front was really, really important. Part of the conversation that the lawyer had with us, which didn't really seem like lawyer speak at all right on the onset, was just why. Why are you both doing this? And we had to get to the ultimate why, which was the same for both of us. And once we knew that we were going into this for a particular reason, and that could be anything, right? You could say we were purchasing a business because we want to make money, and we, you know, we, or we want to get out of corporate America and own a, a small business, or you know, there's a million different reasons why why people want to you know purchase purchase a, a wellness center a business. Um, but when we knew the why was the same, that becomes our our guiding you know mechanism for decision making. Why? What are we going to do on the next, you know, holiday season? What are, what, what's our sale going to be? Why are we offering it? What are we offering, and how does that fit, fit in with our our ethics and, and kind of the purpose for purchasing the business? But the fact that that conversation originated from the lawyer, I thought was brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's wonderful. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I would love that. I wouldn't have, you know, I, you don't expect that, and that's again the value of having some professionals to guide you through that sort of a process. For sure.
0: So. May I ask, have you, uh, you know, the, one of the things we were talking about at the beginning was kind of, for lack of a better term, putting your own stink on the business, you know, wanting it to be, feel like yours and, and your stink, <laughs> there has to be a better, better word. Um, have you been able to, and you were talking about the energy that you can put in it to grow the business or to change it. What effect have you guys had? And mind you, uh, like you've mentioned, things are different now uh, than anticipated with the pandemic, but what has the impact been?
3: So the business was previously owned by two remarkable, intelligent women. The business is now owned by two remarkable, intelligent women. (laughs) However, uh, I am queer, and I am very proud to bring that perspective to the business. My um, business partner is BIPOC and we're excited that she brings that perspective into the business so we just move we've moved the needle in terms of our awareness about inclusivity and accessibility in yoga we are we really think about things from the perspective of how do we make this approachable for everyone from a financial perspective from a relationship perspective um, socioeconomic perspective, like how do we really create community that is fully inclusive, that is, you know, fully diverse? And um, and how do we how do we continue to have this business thrive? So that our take is one of trying to move the business in in that direction, to create awesome. more more, um, availability for a wider range of folks across the entire spectrum of ability, across the entire spectrum of um, you know sexuality or racial aspects.
2: Um, so. Beautiful. May I ask sure. a quick question because I'm trying to learn about this stuff. I'm kind of old school. I say, "What's up, dude?" Like I'm trying to get away from that stuff. What is <laughs> BIPOC?
3: Um, it's uh, Black, Indigenous, or Person of
2: Color. Okay, thank you. I'm trying to learn and ask questions when I don't understand something and I have I have a really inclusive community here in New Hampshire so it's funny you say that and I'm super inclusive because I just don't think whatever don't be a dick (laughs) is kind of my motto right (laughs) so um, but I have people that I just said to one of my staff like hey I should probably stop I should ask is it like are you he him I don't I'm, I'm just assuming and Maybe I'm making a mistake by that. And I'm trying to be more aware of that. And so, sorry to sidetrack a little bit, but you got me on I think that, that's, that's,
1: it's it's such an important piece of the conversation as a business owner, especially doing what we do in the wellness community and trying to create those inclusive environments everywhere. That is a huge piece. And, you know, while, while you're here to talk about business, like, you know, that is something that businesses should be aware of. And it should be something that businesses are aware of and are, you know, trying to figure out how do they want to approach um, the communities that they're serving, and how can they be more inclusive, if that's what they want to do, and hopefully they do. But there are, you know, some places that are also very specialized, and their 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 niche in the market that they're serving is a specific community. Hmm. And I think a lot of people may not go into it necessarily. Um, I feel like to to some extent, there is a little bit more intention behind it now, but it's such an important piece of the conversation to learn the language, to learn, you know, there are so many acronyms now, and just learning those alone is, is a step in the right direction, so, um, and it, it is important, Drew, like you think about, I, I know that I've been guilty of just saying like, all right, ladies, have a good day, you know, and, and something that simple is really important to think about as a business owner because that's not my intention to exclude anyone and so i've been i've also been working on just changing that language um, you know hey you two have a good day it's right, that yeah. easy it's me, that it's, easy for me it's, to hey, change hey guys
0: it. which to me in my mind is isn't even a gender identifier no. my teacher who would always say hey guys was a lesbian so in my mind i'm like this is, i got i got a past here And then I think, wait, like, even Eddie Izzard, my favorite comedian, was like, I'm an executive transvestite. It's like, okay, that's out of date. Like, time has passed. I need to keep upgrading or updating my brain. Um, But something, and I'm sure this is even out-of-date research, but um, I remember reading about um, the more diversity within a business, um, the more potential financial success that they have because they're going to see different opportunities. Uh, They're going to see the world from a different angle. Um, and it's better to simply stack your business with, uh, more, more diversity for financial reasons. And I mean, I think that's always one of my favorite things is when, I don't know, like morality and then kind of things that are true to you are also good for business. Um, that's, that's always nice when those, those things align. And so it sounds like what you guys are doing is, uh, gosh, it sounds terrible, exploiting a larger market as well, bringing more people in, um, I think oftentimes yoga is thought of as a white woman's i don't know what middle age that's that's who you think of doing yoga,
2: yeah,
3: mm-hmm. it's so true. I mean, and honestly, with all due respect for the for a lot of the yoga studios that i that i you know know and friends who own studios, that is pretty much their client base. You walk into mm-hmm. a classroom and it is the relatively affluent white woman fit right. um you know, and quite frankly. There is a whole other wonderful spectrum of folks who would benefit from a wellness practice, from a meditation practice, right. from you know a breath practice. It's it's I, I don't I think we do a disservice to our clients when we don't provide them with alternative perspectives and the opportunity to meet alternative individuals in a single class setting or a single ex, you know nice. business right. setting. Um, and, and I think that's an important conversation when we talk about buying or selling businesses. If you're looking to, to purchase a business or sell your business, who are your clients? Like, do a demographic search of who is frequenting this business. Mm-hmm. And is there an opportunity to draw in more folks? Are, is your price point out of reach? Mm-hmm. And does that, is that create a, a position where you're just not inclusive? Can you create a business practice that is sustainable and diverse and and inclusive at the same time? And I and the answer is, is a resounding
2: yes. <laughs> and I think that leads to marketing because sometimes it might just be as simple as as changing a marketing strategy to um, you know reach a different audience and really looking at the history of whether it's through social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook and seeing what are people doing and where is that going? Who's seeing that? Um, it, which is, I think um, kind of leads me into the marketing side of things. Obviously when you took over, did you do the whole um, under new ownership, come meet us, oh, right, introduce right. yourself to the, to everybody. And if so, what did that look like? And was that an opportunity to, say hi to the people who've been coming, who I assume you already knew a lot of them by teaching there, but also open up to, I don't know if you, I, I don't think you mentioned this, but was there an active, um, I don't know, do I say gay community? Was there? Was that place active in that, in that group or were you able to bring that in?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, so we worked with the, the previous owners and we had a conversation about what we wanted the baton, you know, the handoff to look like. And they were gratefully agreeable to, um, to something that felt like a lovely exit for them and intro to us, even though folks in the community already knew us. Um, but that was part of the negotiated strategy too. So if you know in the float world, buying and selling, I would say, do you have the opportunity, whether you're whatever side you're on? to negotiate what that transition looks like from a marketing perspective, and if you're the purchaser, can you create it in a way that helps um, build confidence or retain confidence for existing members, and then can you kind of sneak in your (laughs) new trajectory, and that's exactly what we did, so we had this lovely baton uh, handoff where they were just like, hey, this is we've had this great experience, we need to move on, we're handing it da- ownership down to folks who are entrusted in the community that you know. It's these two individuals, Amy and Joyce. Um, and then you know, the next newsletter or media blast that we put out was very much like, we're so grateful for that experience and for this opportunity. Here's where we're recommitting to the, uh, to the community. Here's what we're going to do during this pandemic to ride this out together. Here's how we're going to take things as a community to the next level. And here's who we are on a personal level. Look, I'm queer. This is the perspective I bit, bring. My my partner's BIPOC. Here's the protect, perspective she brings. We don't necessarily come from worlds where we would feel included into this industry. We, so we're in this from that perspective of really, really wanting to grow community. And here's how we can do that all together. So we had this like really great... Um, you know way of having them you know gently move out and us gently move in but that's again a conversation that we needed to have up
2: front wow, wow. awesome yeah. fascinating yeah Thank i could you. talk to you all night about this stuff. i love that
0: <laughs> can i do a little little carrot insert here real quick i just um want to bring up uh, the manager of the float shop natalie has been huge and so this isn't somebody taking over the business as as an owner but has been really big as somebody who's queer themselves bringing a totally different perspective to the shop where it's still our business it feels like our place and now the feeling of inclusivity that things that i would never have thought of are on brand now with the shop it it, it is part of who we are uh, because of them so um for anybody who's listening who is not actually you know selling or buying I would just say also consider that, again, for who who you're bringing into your community represents your business. Um, yes, I think that's, that's all I want to say about that.
3: Well, I, think, I mean, I think that's part of that team conversation, right? Like, who is the team? Not just for the perspective of the purchase process, but who are the folks that you're relying on to create the face of, of your company, right? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. does not necessarily just have to be the, the business owners. For, for me, it's the two of us, but it's also all of the teachers who I have in for front sure. of the students. And mm-hmm. for you folks, it's your staff, right? Mm-hmm. And there's things we have to think about. Do we have accessibility? Are our doors wide enough to accommodate folks mm-hmm. who might be in a wheelchair? What kind, of, what kind of wellness can you offer in a float center for folks who might need wheelchair accessibility? Um, what if there's folks who have experienced trauma and maybe the float is a really Scary, scary experience for them. How do you create a, a place where folks might be willing to, to try? How do you create safety, a safety net for those folks? How, are, are you reaching, you know, folks across a, the racial perspective? All of that has to be a conversation, I think. And I think that the team you, you bring in and those conversations that you have is really fundamental to creating that, you know, real, really successful client-facing story.
0: Nice.
1: So I'm curious on that that note, how do you handle that messaging, whether it's your, uh, your marketing efforts, your social media, your newsletters, whatever it is, the messaging of, especially when you are intentionally bringing something so powerful forward without making it feel like the last owners didn't do that? Like, you, you don't want, especially in a case where you do have a lot of love and respect for the previous owners, and they may still be a part of the community, but you don't necessarily want to be the folks who jump in and say, like, we're here and everything is better now. We're so much cooler than the last folks. Like, how did you approach that sort of uh, transition piece? Because there's also the the aspect that they need to communicate that there is going to be a change. You need that. But how is, how is that kind of blended into the entire experience?
3: I think, and that's a really really great great question. We paid honor to them often, and still do to this day. Hmm. I mean, we will we will we said right up front we're so grateful that they grew this community that we now have the opportunity to to be part of uh, in this way. Um, we refer to their expertise like we learned this from you know from Jacqueline. We learned this from this person, and and. Um, We continue to talk about them in a positive way with the existing clientele. Like, oh, you know, that class that so-and-so had was so fantastic. I learned these really valuable things. I want to bring that into tonight's class. Um, I think it's just paying respect, right? Like, even if you're a business owner and you think that you can do things better, you're still purchasing something that has... Somebody else put a lot of their love and attention into, and they still created a foundation um, on which you're, you know, growing. So you have to you have to be respectful of that. And you also have to be respectful that clients become very attached to business owners and they love consistency. And so if you can respect that and create consistency and maintain the very, very best of what was, you don't have to have those, like, oh, new bells and whistles change, right? It's like, this thing was so amazing to begin with. I just want to offer a little different perspective and see if we can, like, take it to the next level. But so, but it's always that look back with affection and respect, my, my humble opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think, you know, putting that kind of float perspective on it, um, there are opportunities for a previous owner and the new owner to work together for a short amount of time to, you know, be seen together, cooperating, learning from and and sharing ideas together. Even, you know, we're going through that now just bringing in employees into the mix. But I also help other float centers who are kind of in that same place of, you know, taking over another center. And the more that you can do together and to put that face out there, exactly like you said, your clients are very, very loyal. So to be able to present I approve this person Mm. to take care of you is such a powerful, powerful message versus just a silence. Um, And, okay, it's new and different now. Yeah. Yeah. Love that you were so intentional with it.
0: So we went in with a particular intention uh, this evening talking about uh, purchasing a center or a business. And I feel like we've gone on quite quite a few different tangents that are all generalized generally on the same same subject, but are there any specific brass tax things? I, I realize we've been talking for a little bit now, <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll have to wrap up fairly soon, but um, for anybody who's listening specifically about making a purchase of a business of a float center, i just love to know if there's anything else. I know you might have some notes on your end um, or, or some gems that you might want to share with our audience.
3: Yeah, I would say, um, number one, when you're looking to purchase or sell, build your team, get a good lawyer, get it, you know, know your accountant, Ensure that you have the right folks who can help you make big business decisions. I would say, number two, if you're going to partner, partner with someone who has the same belief system you do, that has the same goals, and work on uh, creating in your contract ways in which you will resolve conflict. Have that be very, very clearly defined. Um, And then I would say, three, really know the um, ultimate value proposition that the business currently has and then know what your value proposition will be going forward.
0: All right. Amy, thank you so much. My goodness. This uh, this has been great. I, I love the episodes when it's like, oh, man, we could just do another hour here easily. <laughs> Keep chatting. You're going to need to give Drew your phone number because he, he, he's your new best friend. <laughs> I know he's going to have some more questions. Yeah. I, if
2: I ever do end up in the position where I'm looking at another business, I may reach out if that's okay because I, <laughs> this is definitely something that has interested me and there were two points in my life where one I would have sold very high and another I would have sold very low and I feel like things have kind of panned hmm. out for me, but I, the whole thing is fascinating. You, you might find a golden opportunity out there, and you might not, right? But um, it sounds like things have worked out for you, and I'm definitely sending you positive vibes, lots of love,
0: for continued success. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank yeah, you uh, so
3: much, big time. Can,
0: continue to success and growth, and like again with the pandemic and everything, like what more is in store? What more can you manifest and create? It's uh, very exciting, and we wish you the best. Can you give another shout out to the name of your business and? Uh, I don't know if you have a tagline or what or where people can go if they happen to be in the area.
3: (laughs) Yes, uh, it's the Yoga House in Kingston, New York, about two hours north of New York City proper. Um, We are, our tagline is Yoga for Every Body, and we mean that so sincerely.
0: Love that. I have that
3: on a (laughs) t-shirt.
0: Nice. Nice. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much. And let's see here to wrap up. Thank you Kim, thank you Drew. Oh yeah, of course I forgot to mention Gloria's not Gloria's not going to make it tonight. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh thanks to Gloria as well. I just uh I love recording these episodes. Um thanks to you for listening. Thanks so much. Thanks for letting us uh get in into your little uh into your earbuds there and and taking your time and hopefully um turning your gears and help you think and contemplate um how to sell your business or how to purchase a business as well. So thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. Um absolutely loving creating these photos and the and the videos. And um I also hopefully am hitting the mark of um inclusivity with my imagery to make sure that anybody feels like it's a safe environment to come in and have a float, face yourself for, for 90 minutes and that sound like a positive experience. So um let's see here thanks so much to our sponsors thank you so much to float uh, Float helm thanks so much to helmbot and thanks so much to isopod we truly appreciate your support Uh, until next time i love you guys see you next week